Okay, <clears throat> we'll go ahead and get started. You would grab your Bible, please. We'll begin. Second Timothy 3.16 is where we will start. We have handouts for everyone. Ms. Jodit's taking my picture. Hey, Mr. D, you do it like this. This is how you take a picture. So that you're in there and I'm in there. Do a selfie. You have to do a selfie. Don't just take a picture of the slide. That's boring. Okay. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Basic Bible study. We have been going over these briefly over the last couple of weeks. Just trying to add one per week. And... When we read the Bible, we read it, we read it grammatically. Ooh, there's a word. Make sure that we read it in a whole sentence form, paragraph form. Make sure that we understand the thought, right? We've practiced this a little bit on Wednesday in regards to our study on Ecclesiastes, right? Sometimes if you just read one verse in Ecclesiastes, it can be a little bit confusing, perhaps, if you're not taking into context the entire thought of the book. Um, and so make sure that we read it grammatically. Uh, the Bible does not contradict itself. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dan. Okay, God, God is not the author of confusion. However, sometimes when we read a verse, it can seem like, whoa, I thought, I thought that wasn't, I thought, I thought the Bible taught the opposite of that. Well, we can begin to understand it if we read it within context. Okay, so grammatically and within context is is a similar thought. Read it historically and culturally. Don't become confused or offended. Um, is this a description or a prescription? Everything we read is true, but everything may not necessarily be something that God is telling you to do. It might just be a description of what happened in this historical uh, story or whatever it may be. So we have to kind of understand what's going on there. For example. If you're going to look at the story of Job, where Job's wife says, curse God and die. We have to understand why, why that's written in scripture. Is God telling us, curse God and die? Is that what he's telling us to do? No, of course not, right? He is simply uh, writing down for us what someone actually said. And so in that case, it is true in the fact that it was written and said, but it's not true in the sense of this is what God is telling us to do. Oh, I feel like I have one really long hair that's a ponytail that just gets in the way constantly. I'm sure there's like a really good way to fix this, but last one, ask God to speak to you through his word and listen. This is the topic of today, okay? We don't just read the Bible in terms of, of academics, right? We're not just trying to read it as we would read a self-help book or an advice book of some kind. We're not reading it just like it's a textbook or manual we're reading it as God is speaking to us. We're trying to listen with our heart to God's word. And so that is what our Bible study is about today. As you look at your, as you look at your notes, we'll start in 2 Timothy 3 
And it says in verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Notice it says perfect. That doesn't mean without error or without fault. It means mature. Verse 16 is what we're focusing on. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture comes from God's very mouth. Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse number 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So many of us enjoy food and cuisines from different cultures, different countries. Right. This is uh, one of the things that we share with friends and church family. Matter of fact, next week on Sunday, we're going to have a potluck. So make sure that we prepare for that. We'll have uh, everyone will bring different things. And it's, hey, taste this. Have you had this before? Taste this. Well, how do we try Christianity or how do we test God? How do we try it out? Well, we try it out or we taste it. We taste God in a sense, or we taste the goodness of God by trusting in him. How do we trust in him? This world wants to define God in very, very vague terms. Very vague terms. But we know from God's word that God defines himself very specifically in his word. And we have to trust what is written and not what we feel or not what someone may suggest. Before we continue, let's go ahead and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we thank you for each person who's able to come today. Help us now as we dig into this topic of getting to know you through studying your word. We love you. Thank you for your kindness in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, would you hand me one of those papers? Our notes tell us the Bible is your user's manual for the Christian life. Um, I don't know about you, the way that you're wired mentally, but whenever I buy something new, half of the fun is trying to figure out how to assemble it without the instructions. Right? Amen. Uh, I took my son. <laughs> okay, here we go. How many of you, the first thing you do is take out the instructions and throw them away? Yes. You're my people. How many of you read carefully, and if you know another language, you read it in that language too? Oh, my goodness. Man. Okay. I took, my, I took Marcus to the Lego store uh, a couple of days ago, and he bought this little Lego set. And I grew up loving Lego sets. The height of being a Lego person is to be able to buy a set and assemble it without using the instructions. How much fun is that? Okay, listen, when it comes to the Christian life, we can't do that. We have a set of instructions. We're not here to figure it out on our own. It is amazing occasionally when people come and they visit the church. Sometimes they even stay for a couple of weeks, perhaps a couple of months, in some cases a year, two, three. 
And they think they've got life figured out. They think they've got Christianity figured out. And then there are discussions, whether it's the topic of how to know for sure you're going to heaven, whether it is how to do this or that or whatever it may be. And myself or another uh, godly person that has that knows the Bible will show them this is what the Bible says. There it is right there. And I disagree. You disagree? And yet somehow they think they can get to know God based on their own ideas. I read an article, a very short article, and I'll reference this a little bit perhaps in the next lesson as well. Written in 2005, a researcher, a group of researchers with the National Study of Youth and Religion at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, have written their findings in a new book, Soul Searching the Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. After interviewing over 3,000 teenagers, the social scientists summed up their beliefs with these five things. So they interviewed these 3,000 students on campus. And again, this is back in 2005 in a specific place in North Carolina. But these were the beliefs that the vast majority of these teenagers believed. One, A, God exists, who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal of life, the central goal of life, is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Now, we would all agree, thinking as a human being without the Bible, that might sound not so bad. But we also know when we read the Bible, many of these statements are very wrong. We have to understand that we do not follow God based on, on intuition. We do not follow God based on tradition. We do not follow God based on our feelings or even based on observation. One of the ways that we can go seriously wrong in our Christian walk is by following God or practicing Christianity based on experience. This is what happened, and so this is what I believe. Okay, We have to make sure that the, the foundation of our relationship with God is not an experience that either we or someone that we know has had, but it is literally based on God's word. It's so important. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable for doctrine. Profitable for, what is doctrine? Somebody tell me what doctrine is when it says doctrine. Brother Mark, I know you know this. Please help, please help us out. Teaching. Okay, and, and specific, specific teaching. Right? 
um, doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's take our Bibles and let's go over to uh, Romans 12. This verse is found in the bottom of your notes in the green ink, letter 3 and letter D, Romans 12, and we'll look at verses 1 and 2. We'll read this, and then we'll, be, we'll begin going through our, our uh, outline together. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech. What is beseech? Sorry? Beg you. I beg you. Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto your neighbors. Uh, I really have to be cautious. I probably should delete Facebook on my phone because it, man, does it fire me up. It makes me angry. People on the Internet say that we should do this. It's amazing how many articles will begin with that statement. People on the Internet are calling for this person to resign. People on the Internet are calling for, they're demanding, they're doing it. Acceptable unto the Internet. That's how this world lives their life. Well, if I do this and then catches it on video, I have to make sure it's acceptable to people on the Internet. That's how a lot of people, people don't live their lives in, Typically, in, in the fear of God, they live their lives in the fear of the Internet. But the Bible teaches us as believers, we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conformed means to fashion one's self according to another pattern. Don't be conformed. Don't fashion yourself after the pattern of the way everybody else does everything. We, are, we as human beings, we are keen observers. Isn't it interesting how, <laughs> isn't it funny how, you know, you'll, you'll see somebody Maybe they're wearing an article of clothing. And you think, <laughs> for example, this is not a recommendation. This is just an observation. I saw a teenage girl walking through, I think it was the mall or something. She was wearing shorts, and then she had on, like, knee pads, like as if she was coming from a volleyball game. And I'm thinking, hmm, on both knees. Okay, that's odd. Then I saw, just driving down the road, I noticed, oh, there's another teenage girl wearing shorts and knee pads. Hmm. You know what? If that's a thing, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's twice in two totally different places in town. Maybe this is the new trend. Possibly. Don't expect to see me, myself, in shorts and knee pads. I'm not going to do it, okay? But it's interesting how we as human beings will observe and then we'll, we'll copy. 
That's what it means to conform. Okay? It means to conform. Now, in some areas of life, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the Bible says that we need to be, our mind needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed means where we get the word metamorphosis, to change into another form. Just like the little caterpillar eventually becomes a, a butterfly. It's completely different. Christ's appearance was changed after his resurrection. He was different. When he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he looked very, very different. And it is, it, this occurs by the renewing of our mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We must be transformed. How are we transformed? We're transformed by the word of God. We're transformed by the word of God. Our little book that we have been reading has a few statements underneath our Text verse there on our outline. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Now, this is in relation to theological truth. Okay? If it's new, it's not true. Oh, I just found this brand new truth. Okay, well, probably not. If it's really true, it's not brand new. Success or failure in the Christian life is determined by how much of the Bible you get into your heart and mind and how obedient you are to what you learn. We must be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so if we're going to get to know Jesus through Bible study, number one, the Bible teaches you truth. The Bible teaches you truth. The Bible is the only book you need to discover the foundational truths of how to know and walk with God. It, it, it blows my mind sometimes when you go on Amazon.ca and you look up some kind of a spiritual title of a book or something. Perhaps you're, I mean, many of the books that are on our book table, we purchase them from Amazon, right? And then they come to our house and then we sell them here for the same price uh, as we get them, not double. Praise the Lord. Um, but, you know, they've got those suggested books that come up. The, the suggested uh, titles under because you're looking at a particular um, genre. And wow, some of the book, some of the books titles out there, it's, it's like, just read the Bible. Would you just take the time to read the Bible? Some of the titles out there are just mind boggling what people will write and what people will buy in order to find a way. It's like human beings have this thing where it's like, the lost, unregenerate part of our heart, we want to avoid the absolute truth of God's word and try to come around and reinvent a way to God. Through experience, through spirituality, through some kind of practice, through whatever it may be. We have to understand the Bible teaches us truth. The Bible is the only book you need to discover the foundational truths of how to know God and how to walk with God. Someone is trying to share with you, this is how you can know God. They ought to be able to substantiate that claim with a scripture verse. 
they ought to be able to substantiate that claim with a scripture verse. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Let's go to John 17, please. I think it's hilarious that all these secular people want us to prove from secular sources that everything the Bible claims is true. Well, if you can show me from secular sources that Jesus did this or that or another, then I'll believe it. No, you won't. Well, how, well uh, what that means is you're probably right and I know I'm wrong. No, just right. You can look at secular sources on the wildfires in Maui, and there's going to be six different types of, of, of angles that talk about why it happened, where it happened, this and that or another, and different stories and this or whatever. It's like you're sitting there and you're trying to say if you've got six different sources that said that Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17, then you would believe it. No, you wouldn't. Thy word is truth. One of the reasons why we believe the Bible is the truth is because it claims to be the truth. The Quran does not claim to be from the mouth of God. Neither does any of the other uh, uh, religious uh, texts out there from other religions. They don't say, God said this. This is from God. It doesn't say that. Whereas the Bible says it over and over and over and over and over again. This is God's word. John 17 and verse number 6. I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Notice Jesus is at the end of his ministry, right before he's arrested and crucified. He's praying to the Father. This is his high priest, uh, high priestly prayer in John 17. And he's saying here, they've kept thy word. Jesus' goal in Training his disciples was so that they could know God's word better and obey God's word. Amen. Verse number 14. I have given them thy word. 17, 14. And the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is your source of truth. As society changes, you don't need to flow with the currents of change. You can stand on the firm foundation of God's word. You can know what's right and what's wrong. The Bible is the source of theological truth, that is, the truth about God. There are lots of religions out there, some of which teach things that are totally opposed to what the Bible says. You need to read God's word to know the truth and make sense of what you hear. A story is told about an inspector who worked for Scotland Yard in the counterfeit department, 
And he was once asked if he spent a lot of time handling counterfeit money. He said no. That he did not spend a lot of time studying and handling counterfeit money. How did he know what was true and what was false? What was genuine and what was counterfeit? What's the answer? You guys know it. What did he handle all the time? Say it out loud. The real thing. The real thing. He handled the real thing. Make no mistake, counterfeit truth is out there today in force. As you become knowledgeable about God's word, you'll be able to detect teachings and concepts that are contrary to scripture. The more you find yourself in the Bible and the more you spend time in God's word and the more God's word is in your mind, it will not even take sometimes reading three or four or five sentences into something before you say, nope, that's not true. That cannot be trusted. That line of philosophy, that line of thinking, absolutely not. There are so many people that live tortured lives. Tortured lives in their minds. Why? Because they're seeking to conform to this world. Listen, how can you conform to the world when it's constantly changing? Where is peace? Where is the peace? It's one thing if you say, hey, this recent study came out, and so we're not going to do this. We're going to do this when it's perhaps related to your health. That's one thing. But it, when it's related to foundational spiritual truth, people live tortured spiritual lives because they're looking to conform to the thinking of this, of this world. The Bible teaches you truth. Thy word is truth. Question. Have you settled that in your heart? Once and for all. I remember this was several years ago. Some Somebody was saying, oh, over in Israel, they think they found the tomb of Jesus. The real, the real tomb of Jesus with his bones in there. No, they didn't. His bones are in heaven. Guess what? His flesh is wrapped around the bones. He's alive up in heaven. His bones are not there. It's just, it gives, we talk about mental health a lot. There are even commercials on TV about how important mental health is. I looked up the statistic uh, two years, two, two, two or three years ago. I think this is even prior to COVID. 50% of the population of Toronto, 50% has been diagnosed with a mental health condition. 50%. 50%. 50%. 50%. 50%. Pastor, stop saying that. Now, there's a difference between someone who has a genuine medical issue and someone that has got so much agitation in their brain because they're constantly trying to conform 
If you just come to the word of God and say, Jesus, you rose from the dead. You have proved yourself to be all that you claim to be. And you said, thy word is truth. I'm just going to go with that. How much of that agitation would just go away? Pastor, I don't have peace. Have you settled in your heart? I know this is somehow it's turned into preaching. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. But honestly, we can say it. We've got the outline. There it is. Thy word is truth. It says it so many times in Scripture. We don't have the time to go through every single one of the verses. Okay? But getting to know Jesus. I want to get to know Jesus. How do we do that? You have to settle in your heart. His word is true. Question. Can we test it, whether or not it's true? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed. What's the word blessed mean? Blessed means happy. That's going to be hard to figure out if somebody's listening to the audio of this. Right? Happiness that comes from God. Blessed. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Okay? We can test out God in a sense by taking his word and testing it and trying it. I'm going to try this. This is a prayer promise. This is the problem in my life. I'm going to test this out. I'm going to do that. Thy word is truth. And guess what happens? When you test him, you find him to be true. When you test him, you find him to be true. I have to get something off my chest real quick. We're going to go to number two. The Bible teaches you right and wrong. I had to go to Canadian Tire twice this week for various reasons. Pick up some stuff. They've got these guys in the parking lot that are trying to sell you something to clean your windshield and your headlights. Right. But we don't say that in Canada. (laughs) No, thank you. Sorry. Right. That's fine. And they're and they were they were fine in saying no, thank you. What's what's their deal? They just want you to try it. Then they want you to sell it. They want you to buy like a 15 pack. Not really. Right. God wrote this whole book. With all of these incredible promises. And what is the message? Trust me. Believe me. Not as in, I believe. But as in, no, no, no. I really and truly believe because I heard the promise and I tried it. And it really does work. And what happens when we take his word as truth? We believe it. We trust it. We taste. We do. What happens to our relationship with the Lord in that moment? Wow. That's how people have a relationship with the Lord. Listen, we've got Christians out there that are, that are buying incense. Lighting incense on fire, putting it in their hands, doing little swirlies in the morning. You're making this up. I'm not making it up. Look, there are, there are Christians, truly born again Christians that are out there 
trying to borrow different rituals from different religions when God has given us his word. You will have such an incredibly fulfilling spiritual relationship if we would just take his word, believe it, trust it, and do it. This is how we build a relationship with God. The Bible teaches you right from wrong. Read God's word and he will show you when you're headed in the wrong direction or right direction. Here's a very simple one. Honestly, sometimes you I know this verse, but if you're like me, sometimes you just kind of it's in the back of your mind. And then when either you read it or someone quotes it or maybe you hear it in a sermon or whatever it may be, sometimes the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. It's like, oh, of course, that's true. Yeah, that's my problem. Teaches you right from wrong and it guides you. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We love this verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your Google searches. Huh? Because sometimes Google says this and God's word says this. Lean not into thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. I got to tell you a story. I'll be done in just a second. Last night I took Marcus to the uh, bike park, the big dirt jumps. All of the moms are like, <laughs> all the dads are like, <sighs> I'm sitting on the bench. Mom was not allowed to go. She had to stay home. Marcus is going down these dirt jumps. And uh, he had a little, uh, well, he crashed twice. One time, he's doing the small ones pretty well. And he's like, I'm going to do the next biggest one. I'm going to go for it. I'm on my phone, you know, I'm watching him, but kind of not watching him. He's fine. He's fine. He's got a helmet on. Amen. I, look, how many of you grew up with a helmet? I didn't have a helmet growing up. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. They didn't even make bicycle helmets back then, right? And we're all fine, right? That's I mean, we're all fine. So anyway, he goes on the next biggest jump. Then he goes on the biggest one. Not the biggest biggest, but like the next biggest one. He's on the third biggest one. And I'm giving him technique tips and all this kind of stuff. So he goes off, he goes down a couple of times. Now he's getting a little confident. Which is a problem, right? He goes down and he kind of comes up and he goes on his front tire and he bobbles and goes down the other side of the ramp and then. So I'm sitting on the bench. They have benches there for observers and parents. Praise God to sit and watch. So I'm sitting there. And there's this other man that's there with his bicycle. Um, we started chatting a little bit. Indian man. Really nice guy. Marcus takes a spill. And I'm looking and I'm watching him. I don't get up. He's fine. He fell over. But the guy's like talking to me. And then he sees Marcus. And he... You're not, you're not running to him? 
First of all, I'm not his mom. Moms run to children who fall. Dads wait and see how loud they cry. Okay, later on, some of you guys are like, man, pastor, you are, you are hard. No, the next time Marcus crashed, he crashed a lot harder and I immediately got up and slowly jogged over there. He was fine. He was fine. What is the verse talking about? Verse is talking about, in all thy ways acknowledge him. This guy is talking to me. I'm watching Marcus. And as soon as he takes a spill, he's, he's looking and saying, are, what, what, it, 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 are you going, are you going, are you going? How often is it in our lives when something's going on that we acknowledge God? God, 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 God. And how do we do that? Not just by worrying about it. Praying about it, yes. But going to his word and saying, this is truth. This is what is happening in my life. This is what is true about what is happening in my life. And it's not just trusting words on a page. It's trusting the person who put the words on the page. And his spirit dwells within our hearts. And this is the most amazing, miraculous thing about Scripture. Is that if we are a child of God, and our heart is open to him, and we read our Scriptures, the Holy Spirit inside of us connects us to the words on the page and connects us to God Almighty. He's the one that makes it personal. And when we do that, it now it's not, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And it's not a relationship because I shut myself off in a room and I never go outside and I never try to deal with anything in life. It's a relationship because I have a God who loves me that when I practice what he says in his word, he connects that truth right to me. He comforts me. He guides me. He shows me right from wrong. But it all starts with number one. The Bible teaches us truth. That has to be settled in our heart. You say, well, I'm not quite sure yet. The truth is not afraid of questions. Do not adopt the mindset of this world where in the name of intelligence, this world's, this world's replaced what they call intelligence with just skepticism. Skepticism is not intelligence. He's, what, what are you, 12 with a bad attitude? Grow up. Test it out. God has written a wonderful, wonderful word in our language that we can trust. When we read it, when we study it, when we know it, we'll get to know him. Let's pray.